What do you say? What do you say? Another edition of Advantage Connors is here today. As always, your host, Brett Connors, here with my co-host, Jimmy Connors. What are you doing up there in Santa Barbara? Yeah, it's been a good day. And, you know, uh, January is almost over. I mean, uh, it, uh, the days were going so quick. It's just, you know, yesterday, January 24th was my mom's birthday. And uh, so I was rem- remembering that and uh, getting up today and getting started. Uh, it's, it's been a busy day up here. So uh, let, let's get into some interesting things and then I'll tell you about my day. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Happy birthday, Grandma Glow. How old would she have been? Oh, my goodness. It's like 97. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. The years have passed. It's, uh, she was almost 83 when she passed and that was in 08. So that's 12, 13, 14. So yeah, 95, 96, something mm. like that. Yeah, that's yep. crazy. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I miss her every day. Still, yep, yep. so, but uh, I, I know she's uh, she's looking over us, and and uh, yep, and and she's got a new visitor with her with her son Johnny that uh, that's passed away two months ago, and so uh, it, it's getting crowded. Wherever they are, up or down, it's getting crowded. So, yeah. uh, but uh, I think about them often. Yep, me too. I remember uh, when she passed in 07, we went back to her funeral and then uh, you and I got on an airplane and headed down to Melbourne because you were coaching Andy Roddick at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, Andy proceeded to make the semifinal, uh, semifinals, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. In 2007, yep. had a good run there, um, kind of did it in grandma's name. Uh, so that was always a good memory. But uh, let's talk some AO. Oh, before I get into the AO, there was a earthquake here last night. Yeah, four point three. I was wondering if you felt that. Did you? Oh yeah, I, I happened to be awake. It was about a four point three earthquake hit at like one thirty two in the morning, L.A. <laughs> what are you doing up at that hour? I was just uh, <laughs> watching the watching some tennis. Yeah, I had the tennis going on <laughs> down down under. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I kind of like. I, I haven't been awake for too many of them. They seem to happen at night. Usually, they happen to, uh, closer to sunrise because the, the the Earth's crust is like warming up because the sun comes out. But this one was right. in the middle of the night. It shook so much at the whole door. And, and there's a few things in the apartment that were shaking. And, Mel- and Melina popped up and Bella came running in. So uh, I, I kind of think they're fun as long as nothing falls. They're you know, kind of just, uh, they're only five or six seconds. So you just kind of hold on and, and pray everything goes good. But uh, <laughs> right, right. But may- there's, there's some crazy, there's so much crazy stuff happening right now. Earthquakes here and tornadoes and uh, snowstorms and mass shootings. I mean, you know, what? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. I mean, yeah, you know, you get up and, and uh, you you want to watch the news, but, you know, at, l- at least take a break and give me a little good news once in a while. Now, they don't yeah, like you that. know, and some now sometimes that's hard to find. Right. Well, that doesn't sell. You know, that doesn't keep you scared and buying uh, pharmaceutical products that they sell you in between the commercial <laughs> breaks. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could talk about the mass shootings uh, just for a quick second. I mean, it uh, what well, I mean, they're all sad and they're all pathetic in their own way. But this one. Uh, was even closer to home just because mom is a big dance uh, person, loves going to the dance studio, practicing with her friends and uh, instructor. Yeah. And I think one of the uh, the most recent shootings was at a dance studio. Is that right? Yeah, it, it, which is true. And and uh, it was in Monterey Park. And and over the weekend, we uh, we were we were down in that area, and because her instructor had a competition down uh, near that, and you know some of. You know, the the dancers from that studio were at, at your mom's instructor's competition. So, oh, wow. you know, which turn, turned out to be, you know, it was it was, you know, that that stuff. 
everything hits close to home in that respect because of, you know, the violence and the attitude of people and, and all that. And, you know, but uh, oh, oh, oh my, I mean, you know, I, I think it said that he was one of the oldest mass shooters uh, to date. I, I think he was a se- in his early 70s. Mm. And uh, man, it's just, you know, all, all that stuff is, uh, you know, with the, uh, I mean, you get up and you just shake your head and you say, you know, what's up? What's going on? You know, what what changes somebody's attitude and what drives them to do that? You know, that that's above my pay grade. I'm no psychiatrist. I'm no psychologist. I'm, I'm no uh, none of that. But but I do know that anything that drives you to be that mad and and, and to be to to go o- over the edge like that, I, I, I can't identify with. No. Uh, you know, I, I've been mad a lot of times, brother, and, and, you know, on the court, off the court and whatever, but, you know, it's never, you know, so, I mean, it's, I, I guess, what do you, what do you have to look at? Is it, is it mental? I mean, I don't know. What, I don't know. I mean, if he's in his seventies, he might have, uh, you know, who knows, some dementia or something starting, or he might be on some medication that's not acting right with him, or he might've had some loss. It's so hard to dissect what somebody's going through. But, right, uh, and but, then we'll never know because he he he, he killed, killed. ended up killing himself. Yeah, and then and and then there was you know, I, I think another uh, one or two other shootings also, you know. So I mean, it's just wow, it's just in waves. And so what what do we have to come up with? I mean, uh, how how do we have to treat this? Yeah, I don't you know, know, it's a you know, yeah. I, I guess that's you know that's what's out there on the table that uh, you know those the powers that be are are trying to figure out, but. But I do, uh, I do know this. Uh, I, I do know that if something happens like that, there has to be some kind of punishment involved. You know, you, you can give them a slap on the hand and, and say, you know, yeah, don't who do, do you it punish? Again. Well, that's, that's the key, right? Yeah. That, uh, that's the key. You know, you, first of all, you got to find them, you, you know, and then, then when you get them, how do you treat them? You know, because everybody's got their own way of, you know, uh, you know how, how are you going to handle that? Do you know, do you let them out on bail? Do you know, yeah. just let them go? You know, I mean, it's a most uh, of them end up dying, a, is the thing. There's no one to well, like punish most of the time. It feels like, I mean, the thing that's weird and sucks to me is how often they happen and then how quickly it's, we become like numb to them and normalized, you know. You know, like you, you pointed one out and there's just a couple other ones this weekend. So three different like mass shootings in a weekend. Like, I mean, we, how the fuck do you comprehend like all of that that went into right. three separate different occasions with three different groups of people, with three different shooters. And then they're all, they're happening every week, every month. Whatever, yeah, but Brad, you know? that was, those are the only ones we know. Right. So that have made the you news know, so far. Right. Right. So it, it's, uh, you know, what, what, uh. Uh, you know, a difference that we're going through here, you know, in this country. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, the, the one thing that I, has to be addressed is, you know, what, what, what needs to be done to help stop this? Is it gun control? Is it um, mental illness? Is it, you know, what, you know, what, what is it that needs to be addressed to, you know, to help surround this in a way where, you know, we can cut back on this in a way, but, you know, that's above my pay grade. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I'm just a guy who who, who hit a ball against a racket. <laughs> yeah, you know, if uh, I don't know what the answer is either. You know, I, that's why I think it ends up becoming like a stalemate topic every time it comes up. Because like, if you go one extreme, what do you do? Take every gun away, and you go the other extreme. Then there's too many guns, you know. But then nobody really ever talks about people's mental illnesses and mental health. I know right. that's starting to become more of a topic. 
the last few years. But like a lot of the times, it seems like with these shooters, they'll be like on radars already. Or they were in the police mm-hmm. radar. They had been interviewed. The FBI had talked to them. This person had done that. You know, like all this shit. They've had red flags. And it's like, well, why didn't right. you do something? You know, why isn't right. there like some sort of systemic thing set up that when you start to find these red flag people, you put them into therapy, you get them help, you do whatever, you educate them, whatever it is. Like, yeah, do something that where you're not just, we're not always just reacting to the event after the fact. Right. You know, well, we're so it, reactionary. It, it, that, you know, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. We, you know, it's, it's always seems to be after the effect, you know, something has happened and disaster has happened. And, you know, well, we're, we're, we're praying for, you know, for those, you know, that it's tough for me to say because, you know, praying afterwards, <laughs> I don't know if that works. Yeah. I mean, it just, the, know, the, that gets lost and it sounds empty after a while. The like yes, thoughts and prayers, yes. and like, you know, like, great. That does not. I'm praying for their families and, and, you know, hoping, you know, they're able, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to somehow come to grips with it, and, you know, but you never do. Mm. You, you know, I, I heard a great line that, you know, about, uh, you know, a friend passing and, and he says, you know, that, that time heals everything. And, and the answer was, Time, it, it really doesn't. He says, you just get through it. You just get further and, away and, from it. Yeah. And, and, and I, I thought, you know, to, you know and, and something that, you know, that I've gone through, uh, you know, we've all, everybody's gone through uh, something like that in their family. But even, you know, the last number of months with me, you know, time, time doesn't make it better. You just, you just get through it. And uh, man, oh man, but, uh, you know, my heart goes out to him because, you know, uh, People looking to have fun, you know, on, on the, the Chinese New Year and to go to a dance club and, you know, and, and to, right. to do something that they love to do. And then to you know, fall into something like that and, and to be a part of something like that. Whoa. Well, yeah. I, you know, it's just it, it's heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to them anyway. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry to bring that up. But, uh, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about. A O. You want to go down under? Yeah, that's that's enough of that. Sad. It's hitting a little too close to yeah. home. And yeah, um, sad. But yeah, let's talk some tennis. Uh, down under. I don't want to date it too much because this will come out and, and they will be the, the finals will be set. But we'll talk. The semis are set. Sabalinka, our girl, mm-hmm. hasn't lost a set this yeah year. How good is that? This year. She won wow. her first tournament lead up and now is just plowing through the field after beating Vekic two and three. Who else did she beat? She beat Benchitz five and two. I mean, she's just, you know, whoever's there, she'll beat. Plays Magda Lynette, kind of the wild mm-hmm. card of the, uh, of the women's side here, final four. She's been on a good run. She beat Pliskova. She beat uh, Garcia, who was a big, everyone thought kind of would maybe have a yep. chance to make a run here. On the other side, Wimbledon champion, Elena Rybakina. Rybakina. I don't know if I'm saying one of those right, but uh, she's a little low key. She, when she's playing well, she's a thumper. She takes the ball out of your hand, has a good serve, tall. You know, one Wimbledon kind of nonchalantly accepted the trophy, and didn't make a big deal out of it. She plays uh, 2013 and 2014 AO champ Victoria Azarenka on the other side, making wow. a, making a return good. to the semifinals ten years after she won here for the first time back in 2013. What do you think about the final four? Yeah, Azarenka. I mean, you know, coming, you know, after, you know, everything she's been through since her her last wins, you know, what, uh, 10 years ago, the ups and downs and, uh, you know, kids in the meantime and making a comeback and, 
You know, I, I mean, I, you know, that uh, I like stories like that, you, you know, because it goes to show that staying in there and grinding and, and believing and not being afraid to work some somehow somewhere down the line, it pays off. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that's a good sign, but you know, she's going to, uh, going up against some youth, yep. you know, and, and, uh, you know, to, to win the tournament, she's in the semis, but she's going to have to beat, you know, some, some players that are in form are on form and that, that are much younger. So, you know, she's got her work cut out for her, but what a story that would be, Yeah, you know, for her to, uh, to come through and win that, that would be uh, pretty spectacular. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I like her story. Rybakina is going to be a tough match. I think it kind of comes down to Sabi and the winner of that Rybakina as a Rinka match. And uh, that I mean, I we, think didn't didn't uh, before the didn't uh, didn't you have her as the as the finalist or the winner? Uh, Sabi. Yeah, we talked yeah. about her. We talked about wanting her to kind of step up and kind of take control of that number two spot. You know, Iga right. Swiatek, who lost a lot earlier than people thought in the fourth round. She lost to Rybakina. Rybakina just smoked her. I mean, uh, right. she just just about just hit her off the court, kind of. Um, so you know, even though she lost early, she has such a big lead in the points that we're waiting for someone to just be like, "Hey, look, like, okay, she's one maybe, but you, someone should be like, look, the next one spot up is three. And she's kind of doing that this year. She's taking care of her serve. She's not double faulting as much. I'm not losing a set through whatever it is, ten matches uh, so far. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she could be a, a prime candidate to, you know, I'd love to see her win the slam. If Azarenka doesn't win, I, I like Robaki enough. She's young. I think she'll have a lot of chances. I'd, you know, I'd like to see Sabalenka win if Azarenka doesn't. Well, well, uh, then uh, then your pick would be uh, Sabalenka, right? Yeah, that, that I, would be. I think it's hard to bet against her the way she's playing right now. But I mean, yeah. you, you never know, though. She's been to the semis before. And the the stage was a little big, you know, and she and she hasn't come through and made a final yet. So we'll we'll see how how it goes. But I mean, having someone like Lynette, where she's the favorite, instead of you know maybe a fifty fifty coin flip, I think uh, will be in her favor. Do Do you think that's nerves though, Brett? Uh, she's she's gotten to the point where you know she has an opportunity. She's in the semis now to to go on and have a chance to win this. Do you think it's nerves that have, have kept her from winning? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, anytime you have an issue with, you know, double faulting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, that's a little yippy. It's a little nervy, right? right? You know, like even like, like we talked about last time, like just, just get it in. Even if the other person rips a winner and makes you look bad, like at least it's not a double fault. At least it's, at least they had to do something. You made them like take a swing. You made them risk a shot or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I think it's some nerves, but I think her, like, she's going to look around and like, she's the lowest seat. You know, Azarink and Rybakina are like 22 and 24. Lynette's not even seated. So I think in her other uh, her other situations where she's made a quarter or a semi and a slam, she's looked around and there's been maybe higher seeds than her. Where she mm-hmm. was, you know, the, you know, there are bigger, bigger names there than, than her, you know, quote unquote. And maybe that was a little bit, you know, got in her nerves. And But now when she's the favorite, we'll see how she handles that because, you know, that's a, that's a different set of pressure. Well, uh, it, it's going to be interesting because you got a couple of, one timers that uh, they can come up and, and have their first slam. Yep. Uh, you know, so well, what an opportunity for them, but also as a to re- rewrite the record books. How good would that be? You yep. know, for it's been a while since she's won a major and, you know, for everything that she's been through to keep her game up there, going to be a very interesting weekend. Very interesting for the women. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go over to the men's side. Surprisingly, when we talked pre-tournament, we talked about a lot of Americans having a chance. 
uh, both sides. Mm-hmm. But if we were to have to have guessed who would make a deeper run uh, to the finals or semis here at the AO, I think we would have probably said it would be the women with Coco Golf and, and Jesse, uh, Jessica Pagula being top five, six, seven seeds, whatever they are. Um, right. And they both came up short. And surprisingly, it's the men who have come through with three quarterfinalists on the men's side, one semifinalist, Tommy Paul. We had right. Ben Shelton make the quarters. We also had Sebastian Corda. We talked about him a little bit on our preview show. He right. playing some amazing tennis, like in, in, losing in the final to Djokovic uh, two weeks ago where he had a match point. Uh, you know, he looked good coming into this tournament. He had a great five-setter against Hubie Hercotch, who's a, a advantage Connors favorite. And then, we, but we've, the thing with him is he has injuries. You know, is he going to be able to sustain this level of play for over like a long period of time? And it caught up with him this tournament, you know, in only his second or third tournament of the year, he had to retire in the quarters against Kachanov. What do you think about mm. that? Well, <laughs> or would just tell me what you think about three Americans in the quarters overall. I, I first of all, I think that's great because it, it's new names. You know, it's it's not uh, Sam Query and it's not uh, the guys that we have been Isner talking you know, about. Isner, right? You know, for Some you know for the dudes. last what ten years or so. Yeah. You know, and and uh, you know, it, it's new names, which is you know, you know, for me, uh, you know, that's the future of the game anyway. Yeah, you know, kids coming up in their early twenties and you know, looking to, to try to take over now, uh, you know, for Corda, uh, you know, his, his dad was a player uh, and, and he should know uh, uh, as well as anybody, what it takes to, to be prime for the, you know, for the ones that, you know, really the most important, you know, unfortunately I thought everyone was the most important. So I was prime for every match I ever played, but the grand slams are the ones that really catapult you to that next level. You know, so how do you stay healthy for that? You know, how do you work at your game so that you're peaking at the right time? And, and so that when you go in there, you know, you're, you're, you're not looking for form, you're in form and, and looking to get better every match and uh, along the way over that two week period, you know, so he, I mean, know, we talked he, about that. He kind of was, about, yeah, you but, know, but, but are some guys just injury prone? That was my next question to you. I'm not saying that he yeah. is yet. I'm not, you know, he's only 22 years old, but I'm just saying like, like you're saying, you know, be, be, do everything in the off season, be in shape, get yourself ready for the new year. Be, be in prime. He was like, I mean, I, he was playing like, he looked yeah. like a top five or 10 guy there in some of his matches this year. And then, you know, like all of a sudden his wrist just gives out against catching off and he has to retire yeah. in the third set, you know? And it's yeah, just, I mean, you know, to, to me, it, you know, that's, it, it's very interesting to know. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, uh, my next question is, how quick is he going to be able to come back from that? Yeah. You know, if all the, if all of a sudden, you know, he comes back and, you know, next week he's he's playing again, I want to say, whoa, you know, I, I, you don't know how to think about that. But, you know, that, you know, injuries, you know, tennis is a rough game. You know, it, it's rough on you physically. Especially it's rough on, that on you wrist, know, from, on your forehand from wrist. Bottom, right. From top to bottom. Listen, I can talk about a wrist all day if you want me to. I blew mine out. <laughs> uh, I'll be happy to talk about that with you. But, uh, you know, from top to bottom, you know, tennis, if you're giving it your all, like all these kids are out there, because I believe that they all know just how important it is and, and what it takes to, to be a great player and a champion and, and to fit in that category of an up and coming future champion and what that takes. So the push that they're giving themselves, you know, daily, 
in their practice and in their in in uh, on the court and in their conditioning and everything. I mean, if they really want to be, then they're pushing and pushing and pushing, you know, to the brink. Mm-hmm. So, what is the brink? You know, the the brink is being able to push yourself so far to the point of of which you are prime for the matches and the tournaments, but not worn out. Mm-hmm. So, so who does that? Who does that for you? You know, they've, they've got five or six guys around them. You, you know, we talk about it all the time, Brett. You know, who knows just how much you, to push them and, and what it takes to get them to that level and, and to be able to hold that level for a grand slam. I look back and, and I think about this often because I, I go on, on my bike ride and I'm by myself. So a lot of, a lot of uh, sometimes useless crap goes through my mind. That's one of them, you know, if, uh, who, who was pushing me, you know, who was guiding me and, and, and who, who knew when I had enough and there's really only one guy who does is that, and that's yourself, you know, and, and, you know, when to call it, because if not, you know, they'll say, you know, 10 minutes more, 15 minutes more, another 10 minutes on the jump rope, 20 minutes on the jump rope, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got to be ready you know, for my matches. I don't want to be worn out before my matches, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so, you know, I, I, I was pretty good at guiding myself, even though uh, your grandma and, and Pancho were so good at knowing when to, you know, put the brakes on for me. Yeah. The, really the, you know, I, I could, I was, I was pretty good myself at saying I got five more minutes. No, I'm done now. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, now it's just, you know, with, with, you know, it's worse so much. But I think you know, also, I think also you were good at saying, I need 10 more minutes. I can remember being on the practice court where you, I'd be like, are we going to go? Are we going to get a cheeseburger? And you'd be like, look, I need to do another 23. <laughs> and then we need to play another set, you know, or whatever the thing was, you were good right. at, at seeing the times where look, look, I'm not right yet. I haven't got what I need out of this day. Right. Yeah. But, but, you know, nobody knows how far to push yourself than you. Mm-hmm. And, and no matter what is coming from the sidelines is, you know, but uh, the, the only the only thing is, uh, you know, the 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 main thought is is never to push yourself too far. Right. So so that you're not ready, ready for the matches. Yeah. That you're 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 born out and burned out before the matches even come. And and, uh, you know, but and, and my thought was, is that it means so much now you know, with the amount of money in the game and, and what titles mean and, and grand slams and what it does for you and, and, and uh, you know, for your reputation and your legacy and in and, and your career, you know, it means so much that, the, you know, these guys, I mean, and, and, and the ladies too, you know, both of yeah, them, the they're, whole game. they're willing to. The whole game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. There is so much pressure, especially when now that the slams have this, you know, extra emphasis on it, you know, the last, whatever, 25 years. But yeah, you're, I th- think with Corda, he's going in the right direction. He came in as a 29 seed, makes the quarters, has to pull out. I yeah. mean, with the wrist, it's one of those things where it's, if it's iffy at all, you got to just pull the rip cord because it's like your wrist. It's this forehand wrist, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, you got, you know, some, sometimes, you know, it's better, you know, we, we talk about Federer never, never stopping in a match and, yeah. you know, completing every match, you know, sometimes it's better to pull the cord. Yeah, I mean, if you got to do it, you got especially if you're 22. You're 22 right. yet, you know, you got 10 year career at least ahead of you. But let's move on from Corda. And, and, and by and, and by the way, I'm a fan. 
Yeah, definitely. Me too. I, I like yeah. I like watching him play. He's got a really good backhand. He's got a good, pretty well balanced game for being twenty two. And he's got the you know the power strokes and the smarts. I think having a dad who was a player, he probably has a pretty good tennis IQ for uh, being only twenty two years old. Right. I'm rooting for him. But, uh, you know, I kind of went off on a tangent there and I'm sorry, but, you know, to, to, to I'm kind right. of good at that. Lately. It's all right. I got, but, well, we got more that I can talk to you about. Uh, talk to me okay. about the other half. Uh, just quickly, two Americans, Tommy Paul, who over the last three years has transformed from someone who had a lot of talent and was really athletic, but kind of would go out there and just maybe slap balls around and, and show potential, but not be able to put it together you know, for back-to-back matches a lot to being a dude who's a contender, you know, he's a, mm-hmm. he's, he's in the semis. He plays Joker in the bottom half after beating, uh, after beating Ben Shelton, who I want to get your opinion on too. But uh, talk to me about those two guys, Ben Shelton, the 20 year old, uh, you know, just, he's only played two or three tournaments on tour. He, he is a, uh, went to the university of Florida. His dad was the coach, Brian Shelton, who used to play on the right. tour. Talk to me a, bit, yes, a little bit about seeing some new young Americans uh, making a deep run in the slam. Yeah. How good is that? I mean, you know, every, every podcast we've had over the last four years has been, you know, when are these young Americans going to start stepping up? And, and, and now we have it. And, and, and for them to, you know, to start finding their way and, and to get their footing and, uh, you know, going, going to the University of Florida and, and getting that, that competition uh, I, I, and I go back, you know, when, when I was in the seven, when I was 17 or 18 and I was in the juniors and, and, and I, you know, and, and then I made that transition from the juniors into college tennis. I went to UCLA for the one year and, and to be able to play against that competition, it's just a different level. And, and you learn so much, you know, from, from, uh, from that graduation from, you know, the 18 and unders to the college ranks and, and the competition, and you're playing against guys that are three and four years older than you, so it kind of grooms you. Yeah. And 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 plus his dad, you know, being around the game and 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 uh, the career that he had is able to inject some of that experience into him and 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 what it takes and and what he needs to do. And you know, sometimes all you have to do is listen. Mm-hmm. You know, listen a little bit because if if you trust it, and I keep going back to this, and tell me if I'm repeating myself because I know I am. <laughs> your grandmother and Pancho, I trusted them that they would never say one thing that wasn't going to help me, that wasn't going to make my game better, mm-hmm. and to make me better. So if you trust that, and you're able to take that into your matches, and and to do it, it's not. It's only going to make you better. You know, so that experience for somebody who's been there is so important. But the the younger players that are coming up now in the state, in, in the, the women and the men's, it just it just cre- you know uh, creates much more excitement. You know that you know a lot of guys. You know, and, and I was one of them. You get to a certain point where you know everybody says you've had your time. You know, time you move over. Yeah. Time time to move on. You it's time for you to do other things. You know, you had a good career, or a great career, or whatever. But you know. Figure something else out. It's my turn now. And, and it, it seems like uh, the, these uh, young American men and women are starting to figure that out. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's really exciting. Definitely. Um, one note on Paul before we talk about Shelton is uh, the one thing I liked 
was that when they asked him afterwards, you know, who, who do you want to play, Rublev or Djokovic, or something about something like that, he said, well, I saw Djokovic was up 5-1 in the first, and, you know, I'd love to play Djokovic. You know, like, he wants the match. He wants the, the challenge of playing the best player in the world. And I thought that was a, a good sign, even though he's a plus 1,200 favorite on the money line against Joker, who looks pretty unstoppable right now. But one note on Shelton that I think you might have a good note or two on that I want to ask you. The thing about okay. Shelton that I think has surprised everybody, including him and his dad and everybody who knows him and has followed him, is how quickly his game is like, boom, clicking on the tour. You know, like it's literally, I think yep. it's his second tournament and he made a quarterfinal. He went four with Paul. Like it was a, there was a time where it looked like he might, you know, push it to a fifth. And so when you, he won the NCAAs, I think he went two years to Florida. You went one year to UCLA. He won the mm-hmm. NCAAs and then you went pro. And then, were you surprised when you went pro, how quickly you were able to start getting like wins on, on tour, you know, like coming from college where you like, Oh, Oh shit. Like I'm, you know, I'm better than I even thought I was a little bit, you know, kind of mm. like we're all thinking with Shelton. No, I, I, I think the experience that, that he has gotten, because I, I, I'm going to go back to the NCAAs, Brad. The NCAAs was probably the toughest tournament I've ever played in. Yeah, and, and, you know, playing the amount of matches. I played singles and doubles. I played uh, doubles with my friend Jeff Austin. And, you know, playing singles and doubles, you're playing two, maybe three matches a day you know, and that experience and, and, you know, that conditioning and you figure out so much in that time, what is necessary for you to make that next transition into the pros. So, uh, you know, obviously he's learned well, you know, to, to take that and, and to, and to use that, uh, to, to help him go to that next level. I mean, like, you know, like, were you, like when you were coming out of college, did you know for sure, like I belong on the tour? Or were there some questions, like a doubts, like, do, do I belong? Am I good enough? You know, like, and then when you got there, cause I'm sure there's gotta be a little of that. Cause you don't know, like you're going to playing challenger events. It's like, they didn't even have those back then. So you're only just playing the people in your area and stuff and, and, you know, big events like the orange bowl and, and the NCAAs. I just think the thing with Shelton was, I don't think anyone thought like he would just drop in and be boom, quarterfinalist right away, you yeah. know? No, no. It, and so it, like, uh, were you surprised at yourself or, or at, like how well your game was ready for the, the tour when you, you know, after you went pro from college? Well, the summer after my first year of college, uh, I had a very successful summer. And I think I made uh, over the summer, I think I made like $50,000 and, and I, as an amateur, I wasn't uh, I wasn't able to take it. So, you know, I went and I called, uh, you know, your, your grandma and I said, listen, I, I can't I, I made 50 grand over the summer. I said, do you know how much money that is? Yeah. I said, I can't afford not to do this. And she says, education. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I said, I said, OK, OK. And, and then I went for a quarter and, and I, I was I, I, I was getting bigger. I was getting stronger. And, and, uh, uh, my coach at UCLA, Glenn Bassett was a master at getting us in, in the best conditioning possible. And, and, uh, and, and so my game was getting better and my conditioning was getting better. And when I decided to turn pro, I said, if I'm not ready now, I'll never be. And I, I, I know I've told you this story and, and, uh, that, uh, one, one of our, our great friends, Lloyd Bridges was uh, was such a great friend of ours and our families and 
And he told me at the time that he says, Jimmy, he says, you got to strike while the iron's hot. He says, if you think that you can go in there and you have any chance to do it, you got to do it now because you'll look back and you'll regret it the rest of your life. And, and when he told me that, the toughest call I had to make after that conversation with him was to your grandma because I said, I'm turning pro. And she says, whoa. <laughs> she goes, I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. I said, I said, I, I got to do it. I said, I said, I'll, I'll always, I can always go back to college. I can always do that if it just doesn't work out. And, uh, you know, thank goodness it worked out because, you know, college wasn't for me. But, uh, you know, one, once you get that feel of yourself and what you think you can do and what you're capable of, there, there's, there's really, if you're willing to work at it, and as we've talked many times, you know, this is a, you know, 365 day a year job. If you're willing to give it that kind of effort, there's no stopping you. You know, it just depends what level you set your sights on. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you, if you want to set your sights on the top 30 or the top 20 or the top 10, you know, I, I, I want, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the best since I was a kid, you know, whether it works out or not, listen, it turns out to be, there's only one best. Mm-hmm. There's only one number one, you know, and, and there's so many great players that never reached that, you know, but at least they went out and did, you know, and did everything they could to, to make that possible. Yep. And, and, and that's the way I felt. That's the way I felt. I'll do anything I can to give myself a chance to be the best. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I think Sheldon's got a good career ahead of him. I think he's going to be top 50 now when the new rankings come out next week. And I like that he's a lefty. He's got a good serve yeah. and, uh, you know, he's fun to watch. He has like different kind of shots and he's really, really athletic and moves around the court quickly. Paul too, man. Paul's was ranked 35 coming into this. So I'm sure making the semi is going to put him top 20, at least top 15, even maybe. What, what do you think that would do for him? If he beats uh, Djokovic tomorrow or, or, or in the next couple of days. Uh, oh, my God. Right, right. It, another level. It's a career maker. Right. I mean, yeah. Right? Yeah, if he could be Joker in the semis to make a final. I mean, yeah. And then he would have a – you'd have to say at least he'd have a chance with, against Sitsipas or Katchinoff. I mean, right. Sitsipas a little under the radar this week. Uh, he plays well in Australia. Like, I think this is his third semifinal down under. Um, he plays Catchy on the one side. Paul plays Joker. Uh, Joker looks like he's just on a mission. The revenge tour continues. Uh, I thought it was I thought, <laughs> revenge tour. I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, he's handling it with some class, man. I got to say, after how when how he was treated last year, thought this was interesting. He pulled uh, Dimenauer, uh, the Australian, in the fourth round, and went ahead and dispatched of him two one and two. And I think Courier mm-hmm. asked him uh, in the press conference after, or like, you know, why did you, you know, beat him so like badly or something like that? And Joker just said, because I wanted to. Right. And it's funny because Dimenauer was pretty opinionated about a year ago on the subject of Joker and the visa and the coming into the country and all that stuff. So I just think uh, Joker might've taken some mental notes over the last Mm. year. And uh, there might be some more of those matches lined up for the rest of the season for people who had had some stuff to say. But uh, what do you think? Who do you like in those semis? You got Catchy sits. Catchy making his second semifinal in a row at a slam. I kind of think yep. he, he talked about getting lost in the shuffle. I mean, I kind of think he, everyone thought he was just, you know, this one player. He's a top 25 guy, but he's not a top 10 guy. But now two straight semifinals, and that's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. So uh, 
plus 1200, you know, how can you not put 10 bucks on him? That's Paul. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, on, on, on Paul, but on the other hand, uh, you're, you're right. I, I think uh, Joker's on a mission and he wants to win this tournament, start off his, uh, his year with a grand slam win. So I would like to see a, a good match that Paul puts up and, you know, if he, if he wins, maybe even better, but you know, go out there and play with no fear. Right. And, he's and, playing with house give, money. Right. And, and, you know, you're, you're playing against, you know, uh, probably the number one player in the world, uh, you know, and has a record to show it, go out there and play with no fear and say, this is an opportunity for me. I'm giving it everything I have, win, lose, or draw. Right. You know, and, and, and then on the other side, you know, our, our, our guy, Sitsipas, you know, I, I kind of don't know how to take him sometimes. I mean, he, he rises and, and, and then, then you don't see him for a while. But, but I, I think uh, that he's going to get through this. And, yeah. and uh, I know it's not going to be a, an easy semifinals with uh, uh, playing catching off, but, but I think he's going to get through it. And it's going to be a, a, a Djokovic uh, Sitsipas final. I like that. I think that would be a, a kind of maybe the best matchup possible. But yeah, with Paul, like, dude, it's all gravy at this point. You're in your first semifinal. You're playing the number one player in the world. Pro, you know, the, maybe the number one player of all time. If he wins this slam, he'll be tied with Rafa for 22. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, Catchy, I feel like is a little bit is he's kind of playing with house money. You know, like no yeah. one kind of expects him. He's the Russian guy. They're asking him these stupid bullshit Russia-Ukraine questions that he handles mm-hmm. really well. And, you know, and everyone thinks Sitsi and Sitsi gives the great answers, and you know, on press and Catchy a little under the radar. I don't know. But Sitsi minus 255, definitely the favorite going in. I think a joker Sitsi final would be a fun one. So, yeah. Who do you got winning all of it? Uh, I mean, how can you, you not think that uh, Djokovic is going to come through and win it? Uh, you know, you said it, he's on a mission, Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, uh, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, looking to get even is, is just that little extra push. Yeah. You, you know, that, you know, they, they cost him last year, you know, by not letting him in and, uh, you know, and then he goes on and wins Wimbledon and, you know, has a, a great rest, rest of the year. So I think he's on a mission. He wants to win that. He wants to have another opportunity to win the Grand Slam. And uh, there's only one way to start that, and that's at the Australian. Yep. I agree. Uh, Moving on, we'll wrap up our Australian Open uh, next week. See how everyone does. But Sabalink and Djokovic seem to be the picks here on the show. We'll see how those turn out. One last thing before we uh, wrap for today. We don't want to go too long. But one story in the golf world that caught my eye today that I got to get your take on. Did you see the story between Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed? I did. T-gate, I guess is what we're calling it. So I'll give you the quick rundown. Patrick Reed is a player who left the PGA Tour last year for the LIV Tour. Rory plays on the PGA Tour. I guess they're playing at an at event in Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi this week. So they're at the same event, one of the first times mm-hmm. in a while. Patrick Reed over the years has garnered a reputation for, let's say, trying to bend the rules out there on the golf course. If you want to Google YouTube, there's plenty of evidence of him uh, doing suspect things on the course. I'm not going to say anything else because he might try and sue me because is what that is what he did to Rory McIlroy. He had Rory McIlroy served with papers on Christmas Day for some lawsuit, I guess, alleging defamation or something along those lines. I guess Rory had said some comments about him maybe being not so good with the rules. And anyway, so what happened today was Reed walked up to Rory on the practice green, 
Rory's like bending over, tying his shoe. He walks up the his caddy. Rory's caddy shakes Reed's hand. Reed tries to talk to Rory. Rory ignores him because, hey, this guy's like suing me. I don't want to talk to you. Reed gets butt hurt, turns around to walk away, and then turns back around and flicks a tee at Rory. One single tee out of his pocket. He just like tosses it at Rory <laughs> and oh, then boy. walks away. All right. To give me your take. Yeah. Well, listen, anything to show me some excitement. Come on. You know, and, and uh, you know, like it or not, you know, listen, a lot of guys in the tennis didn't get along either, uh, you know, but but it, but it created great rivalries and, and extra interest in, you know, what's going on besides just hitting a golf ball or hitting a tennis ball. And you know, everybody's going to uh, try to poo-poo it and say, you know, oh, well, that shouldn't happen. You know, this is golf and, you know, all that price, you know, it's competition, you know, and and you know, going out and, and trying to be the best and, and work I, at what you're doing and, and try to, you know, get, get on top, you know, and all that, I, you know. I think it's great, though, in a way. Because yeah. I, I think at some point down the line, there has to be some sort of LIV versus PGA or some sort of event where these guys can go at, back and forth at each other. They can play each other again, you know. And these, these little subplots, these little stupid little stories that bubble up that become like a story are great because when they play each other in, in the event, if it ever happens, we can like play this footage back and be like, remember last time they saw each other, he flicked a T at him on the practice screen, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, but is, isn't, isn't that going to be something that this is going to create more interest in? Definitely. I think it's yeah, good. I think I mean, it's that, a good that's, thing. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, can you, can you imagine if LIV golf goes against the PGA and, and, and Reed plays McElroy? Right. <laughs> right. Know, I'm watching that. Right. I mean, like the, it was you, a you Wednesday. Know. I was scrolling through the stuff. I don't like follow the PGA super, super close. I watch it on the weekends and stuff, but that caught my eye and here we are talking about it. So like, it's a good thing kind of for the sport because it pulls eyeballs and it creates like storylines that we can, you know, ref- reference back to if, if, if they ever play again. Right. And and, uh, and and believe me, I, I think that there there is going to be a way that eventually, I mean, some of the LIB players are going to be able to play some of the other events too. So uh, I, I, that's my take on it. Is that not right? Yeah, they're going to be able to play the majors, I think, together. And, and then I, I just hope someday there's some sort of like crossover something, you know, just because yeah. the one tour has lost so much talent. So there's like this amazing amount of talent on the other tour on LIB. You can't say there isn't. They got Cameron Smith and, and Dustin Johnson and Patrick Reed, you know? Right. So yeah. um, I just think it's, it's a funny story. And Rory, Rory has become this like lightning rod for all this shit where he talks about the LIV tour. And then he's got this thing with Reed and it's just like, everything keeps coming around Rory. So I think it's uh it's like the drama is fun to watch. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting too, because you know, Rory's still young. Right. Yeah. And, and, and still at the top of his game and, and winning PGA tour events and, and looking for majors and all that, it's going to be interesting down the road. If, if the LIV tour continues mm-hmm. and, and, and gets stronger, if, if one day he doesn't pop up himself and say, well, I, I can't win uh, the masters or the U S open anymore. Maybe I'll go over to the LIV tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, He's you, just you know, 33 so. years old. And the part that'll make you sick, he's 5'9", and he hits the ball further than people who are 6'10". <laughs> it's only 5'9", it says. It's crazy, dude. That's good yeah. as he hits it. Jeez, I'm 5'9", I'm and I get 217 and a half. That's good, though. That's good. <laughs> That's okay for me. That's down I'm, the I'm middle every time. 
Yeah, yeah. Down but the at middle, least I'm, Rory. In, I'm in the short grass. I am in the short grass. That's you, a good thing. You drove it well off ten at Augusta. That's all I know. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh boy. Oh um, my. All right. Well, but, just but, love to see that. See how it plays out. Any last uh, thoughts? I'm I'm ready to take the golden doodle out for her walk. She's uh, sitting here looking at me. I've had uh, I've had a good day. I've had a long day. I got to play a little golf, but uh, we've got a few cars that have had uh, had some problems, and I've gotten those fixed. And so I'm looking forward to. Uh, getting those, uh, you know, back in the driveway tomorrow, so we can uh, be able to get around a little bit. And and uh, yeah, it's been a good couple of days. Uh, I, I miss you. I know you've been working, and and uh, Melina and the Golden Doodle are, are down there taking care of you. But uh, don't forget to send in some uh, uh, for our, all our listeners out there. You know, follow us on Facebook and and send us some questions. We love hearing from you. And you can follow me on uh, at at Jimmy Connors on Twitter at ADV Connors. Uh, at Advantage Connors. And all that uh, good yeah. stuff. That's all. You got yeah. it. You got it. I love it. Give everyone up there my love. How the golf course looking after the rains? Are they are they playing it, okay? It's it, uh, carts the first day today. It okay. was uh, it was good. We got to use the carts, so it was a little easier on us. But uh, yep, uh, three three weeks off, and my and uh, my swing showed it. So yeah. uh, I, I got to get back on the on the range a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, I love saw. being with you tonight, son. I miss you and I love you. And, and uh, you take care of everything down there. I look forward to seeing you soon. I will. I love you too. I saw somebody posted that uh, at the river course took took some damage out there. The, the 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 river that runs through there took a little heat. So they need to do some yep. repairs. But we'll get out there when it's all good. And I'll see you soon. I love you. And we'll talk to everyone next week. Peace. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.